BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Scott from Winery Dogs, and you're listening to Talking Metal. What's up? Rob Bailey here from Pisser. You're listening to Talking Metal. Mark and John Root! Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. Here's your hosts, Mark and John. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal, coming to you from the Gibson Guitar Showroom in New York City. I'm hanging out here with Mark Striegel, my roommate, my original first roommate, Rob Bailey. And we got a great show for you. We've got Rob and we've got a great interview Mark conducted with Richie Cotson from the Winery Dogs. Yeah, and Rob actually was your roommate and he was my neighbor when, yes, I, when I lived in, uh, in Boston for less than a year. And we're going to talk to Rob, catch up with him, see what he's up to. He's a professional musician. Uh, one of the last episodes, two episodes ago, we had Rob from Metal Injection, who's, I would guess I'd call him a professional podcaster. He's my doctor, too. Uh, he's your doctor, too. <laughs> Rob Bailey's doctor. Um, and now we have a professional musician. So we're going to hear uh, another. This is almost like a career becoming, a, you know, talking careers here on oh. Talking Metal, where we're talking to people who make money doing what John and I love, uh, making music and podcasting. And, of course, John and I don't make a living uh, doing either, but we have a lot of fun. We would like to be making a living doing this, but unfortunately we don't. No, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob from Metal Injection was great, and uh, really looking for, forward to hearing your interview with Richie. And I'm really psyched that Rob Bailey, who... Even before we were roommates, we were friends up at Berkeley College of Music. Sure. And I always, I swear to God, Rob, and I know I told you this, I thought you were like the real rock star, like when I went there. Thank you so much. Yes. Michael, um, again, we want to look closer? Say that, we say that. Our lips are so close. <laughs> what am I saying that again? Is? That was the David Lee Roth video. Yes. Yeah. What was that? It was from Eden. From Smile, Yankee Rose. Yankee Rose, yes. right. And that guy in the video with the gray hair was their My manager, dad. Pete. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Fancy. Cool. So this is a great segue. You've mentioned Yankee Rose with Billy Sheehan on bass. Nice. Uh, we have Rob Bailey, who was actually the one guy who, when we were talking to Mike Portnoy <laughs> about going to Berkeley, we were naming all these people because Mike went to Berkeley, uh, I guess, a year before John and I were there. And we didn't know any of the same people for the most part, except for I said Rob Bailey and Mike Portnoy was like, Rock and Rob. Yeah, of course I know him. So we have uh, two thirds of Winery Dogs 
covered right there. And now let's get to the other third, Richie Kotzen. Let's get into a little music by him right now. This is going back eight or nine years ago. This is called Get Up. Get Up by Richie Kotzen, an old one, and why don't we go right into Static by Mr. Big, which is going to feature Richie and Billy Sheehan. Yep, that's right, and this is one that the winery dogs have actually been known to play at some of their shows, so uh, cool. Here we go, a little Mr. Big.
What you just heard was Mr. Big featuring Richie Kotzen, who is our guest here on Talking Metal today. Let's get right into the interview now, and then we're going to come out of the interview and we'll talk with our friend Rob Bailey, who's in the studio with us. This is a sound sample of the winery dogs. It's called Time Machine, and following this song, you will hear from Richie Kotzen. Hey, this is Mark from Talking Metal, and on the line, we have Richie Codson from the Winery Dogs. Hey, Richie, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Good. I'm excited to talk with you. The album sounds great, one of my favorites of the year so far. And let's talk about the band. I know you have a history with Billy Sheehan from your time in Mr. Big, but how did you guys first uh, hook up with Mike Portnoy? Well, um, Billy and Mike, were interested in, in playing together, and they wanted to have a uh, power trio configuration. And so the DJ, Eddie Trunk, who's been a friend of mine for many years, contacted me and asked if I was interested in being a part of this project. And so uh, we ended up meeting at my house, and I have a studio there. And we went in, and literally in one day, came up with four or five song ideas uh, pretty effortlessly. And uh, at that point, we realized that we, we had something there and uh, decided to, to go forward with it. And it ended up uh, with the record we have now. 
Well, cool. Now, according to Wikipedia, which isn't always correct, you guys formed in Brooklyn. Does that mean your house is in Brooklyn? <laughs> no, no. That 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 should uh, read Los Angeles would be the yeah. correct city. Yeah, interesting. That's funny. Yeah, none of from Brooklyn. Yeah, I know. I know Mike's in uh, Pennsylvania, and I I thought Billy was in Los Angeles, as I thought you were in Los Angeles, but then I wasn't sure after I read that in on Wikipedia. So, guys, never trust Wikipedia. We know that that's not always factual. Um, yeah, it's funny. There was something in Wikipedia years ago. You know, I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania, and somehow, you know, I looked there, and they had me in the wrong town. So, and I, ha- I had them fix it, and they kept putting it back to this other town. It's, like, making me crazy. <laughs> so, but, no, I wasn't born there. But that's the thing. Anybody can uh, update Wikipedia, so you get, get all sorts yeah. of wrong stuff up there. Uh, I was just Absolutely. watching the video for Time Machine, which uh, is is great. Uh, did you guys film all the videos on the on the same day? Is that what happened? Well, the first three that we released, we filmed all on the same day, and they were originally just to be used for electronic press kit. And then I guess uh, they ended up getting edited, and we decided just to put them up there as they are. And then the one that's out now for Time Machine, we did that uh, during our rehearsals. We had a couple of days booked to just uh, get everything together for our tour. And on the last day, they had a video crew come in and, and film us playing that song, and they had a promo video. So that's what just came out now. Cool. And I really like that song. In some ways, that, that riff is it's a very heavy riff, almost Sabbath-y, Alice in Chains sounding to me at the at the beginning. And the lyrics also kind of seem kind of deep. I'd go behind and change the tide, but where do I come from? Oh, the time yeah. machine I ride. Can you explain a little bit, is there, about what the lyrics are actually about? Yeah, you know, it's kind of about wanting to kind of go back and change things, you know, the mistakes and, and things that you've done that kind of led you to where you are now. But, you know, I guess, you know, they say a lot of times that, you know, bad patterns are kind of rooted in, in past experiences. And uh, so it kind of deals with the, the idea of going back and, and trying to right wrongs and that sort of thing. But, you know, you kind of don't know where to begin. And that was the, uh, that was the premise uh, that I wrote the lyrics around. Interesting. And... So many great songs on this record. Uh, the Closer, I like a lot. Regret. Is that you on piano? Yeah, I play piano and, and D3 on that. And uh, I really like that song, too. I'm happy with the way it came out. I remember when we were recording the record, I had said, Hey, man, uh, to the guys, you know, I got this song I wrote on the piano. I think it was fit for the band. And I sat down and played it for them, and they liked it. So we, we went in and cut it. and. I was really happy with what they did on it, you know, as a rhythm section. Uh, it could have went in a lot of different directions, but really, uh, it played it exactly how I had envisioned the songs played. So it's one of my favorite tracks on the record. Cool. And when you started off, did you start on piano, or was it guitar, or, or maybe even vocals? Which which was your first uh, kind of foray into music? Uh, I started initially on piano but I was too young I was only five and um, I really didn't take to it very well and then a few years later I started on the guitar and that uh, took to right away 
it was, you know, it was. So the piano, you know, my parents said, oh, so you got to practice, you got to practice with the guitar. I just picked it up and, and went. Um, and, you know, it was kind of what I wanted to do, you know. Uh, I'm very lucky that I figured that out at a young age. And when you say figure it out, was was part of figuring out just hours and hours of practicing? I mean, you obviously have some great chops, and usually yeah, initially that comes it was initially it was learning the instrument, and you know I had a, a private instructor and spent a lot of time listening to records and that sort of thing. But then uh, once I started playing live, I was in a, a cover band, like top forty, and. I was in high school, and those guys were much older than me. I did that for a few years, and then I realized that I really didn't want to do that. It wasn't really about just getting on stage and playing anything. What I really wanted to do was, you know, create my own music. And I started to realize that the guitar was, you know, it, it, it was just a tool, you know, for me to, to express the ideas that I wanted to express. And then, you know, I started singing, and... And and that's really the focus for me. It's not really, you know, I love music, but for me, it's just, a, it, music is the outlet. You know, what I really love is the, the whole creative process and, you know, writing a song and singing it from beginning to end. And, you know, that could kind of transcend into anything. I mean, you know, right. maybe even architecture, for example, designing a building or, you know, a painting or something. I mean, it's, it's that... It's that creative outlet that I really love more than anything. Right on, right on. And when you know, when I listen to this record, it has a very live feel to it, which uh, led me to want to ask you: Did you guys record it like as a band live, or would you go in one at a time and do your your tracks? Well, we recorded it live in the sense that we're actually playing. I mean, there's no drum loops or, or auto tune or anything of that nature, but. Once we had everything written, uh, we went in the studio. We spent two weeks on drums. And then those guys went off uh, on a tour with another project. And I went in there for about a month and just dealt with what I had to deal with. Uh, guitars, vocals, uh, actually finished writing some things were up in the air. And uh, once that was all finished, then Billy came in and did all his keeper bass parts. And at that point, everything was pretty much ready. We took some time away just to kind of evaluate. And then it came back again and did percussion and, and background vocals. And then that was the end. And then we sent it off to Jerry to mix it. And uh, there you have it. Cool. When you look back at the, the two albums you did with Mr. Big, do you have good memories of doing those records? And are there certain songs that, that stand out as your favorites? That's the big thing was interesting for me because the year that I joined the band, I had a lot going on. I, somehow I released two solo records that year. I recorded a record with Stanley Clark, and then I was obviously doing the first record I did with Mr. Big. And so I was really, I don't want to say I was distracted, but I, I definitely had a lot going on. Um, so the memory from that, year is is really kind of scattered you know i have memories from being in the studio with them then a lot of memories being on tour with stanley and um the one thing that stands out the most for the mr big uh, memory is when we did our first show uh, in japan it was in the tokyo dome 
Wow. Or maybe not. It was the Osaka Dome. And we were opening up for Aerosmith, and it was the Millennium Countdown. And so that was a, a great night and a lot of fun. And, and you know, they were a, a, a lot of fun to play with and tour with. And um, second record, we did that record in my house, the same place that we did the Winery Dog record. Mm, okay. And, uh, you know, good experiences, and you know, they're great guys. Uh, I don't have anything... Uh, Anything outstanding that I can say that's sticking out? That uh, any, I don't have any big stories, now, right. but it was overall a good experience. Cool. How about going way, way back to 1989 when you did your your first album and being in the studio with uh, Steve Smith, Stu Ham, Jason Becker? Any memories from doing that album that you could share with us? Oh yeah, I mean that was a, a very exciting time for me. I had uh, you know, no idea what to expect, and I had just gotten that record deal, which was my primary focus at the time, was trying to get noticed by Shotmill Records, and, and Mike Barney ended up signing me, and and Jason was an amazing help in making that record, because I had never made that kind of record before. As a matter of fact, I hadn't made a record other than the little EP that I made with my, my original band back in uh, Pennsylvania. So once I got out there... Uh, Jason had already done some records for Shrapnel, so he did a procedure and was able to coach me through it. And uh, it was an interesting record, you know. Um, I don't really uh, feel like uh, it was a record that really defined who I really was at the time because I was so young, so kind of searching my direction. But by the time I did my second record for Shrapnel, I pretty much realized what it was that I wanted to do as far as being a recording artist. So in a weird way, I kind of look at that second record as my first record. Right on, right on. Do, do you ever hear from Jason Becker through the years? Oh, yeah, a lot. And um, we've done a, a participated in several benefits for him, and I get to see him at least once or twice a year. Cool, very good. Uh, one of my favorite records that you did was the, the Get Up record probably eight or nine years ago. Um, any any chance you guys would ever include any songs off of that record in the uh, Winery Dog set list? Uh, in the Winery Dogs, I don't think so. I do it. I do some of the songs uh, in my set. We do remember, obviously, and, and we've done so cold uh, quite a few times. I think there's a live version of both of the my live DVD from Brazil from a few years ago. Cool. As far as the Winery Dogs, I do. We do play. A little bit of one of my songs called "You Can't Save Me," ah, right. uh, which is kind of a segue because I do this little acoustic bit in the show, and it's a nice way to get out of that and, and get the band back on stage. But you know, the Winery Dogs is a new a new band, and we've got uh, our songs, so we're really focusing on what we're doing. Right on, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in New Jersey on October 29th at the Starland Ballroom. You'll also be in Rhode Island on the 31st, Halloween, Cleveland on November 2nd, and Pierre's in Fort Wayne on November 6th. Richie, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. Awesome, thank you. Can you give me back on my feet? Can you make me think that my mojo is rising?
That was I'm No Angel, a little sound sample there from the winery dogs. Great interview with Richie, man. Yeah, it was great to get Richie on the the podcast because I believe possibly the first song we ever played on P- Talking Metal back in 2005 was Richie Cotson. Excuse me. Oh, damn, dude. Little <laughs> yeah, that's the pretzel I ate at uh, Penn Station coming you up. You know, I can I talk? Yeah, yeah. I, so we out? are here. No, 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 the... no. I was going to say, I saw Richie Cotson play when he was 16 in a bar wow. down in Pennsylvania. Really? Yeah, yeah well, that's like, where he's from, man. Like, yeah, because yeah, you, you remember Corky Tuning from uh, Berkeley? Yeah, I totally remember Yeah, Corky. they were friends. And, like, wow. I, I was, like, it was, like, a Christmas break or something. And, like, I was down visiting my cousin, who's also from that area. She's like, let's go to a rock club. I was like, okay. And uh, he was up there, and he was killing it. Wow. Like, I was like, uh-oh. Man. <laughs> he I, killed it. He killed it. Wow, it's like 16. He, and he, yeah, and, like, f- like, playing, like, a lot of foreigner tunes. I remember it's like, wow, that's like half the foreigner catalog right there. Man. Kind of interesting. Cool. And just it. to refresh your your memory, Talking Metal listeners, we are in the studio with our friend Rob Bailey, who John and I have known for literally decades. Um, he lived next door to me when I was at Berkeley. And John, you uh, guys were roommates after Berkeley? Is that what happened? Yeah, we were roommates on East 9th Street in New York City, and there's a, a great story on why we were roommates. Rob was walking down the street, and he saw a piano scarf. Why don't you continue <laughs> on with that? No, no, I'll hear your version. Okay. And uh, he just said, I only know one guy who would possibly <laughs> wear a piano scarf. I've seen you wearing that yeah, scarf. No, no, it's not me. <laughs> oh, no, 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 Rob, Rob, Rob Ferentino. Right, 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 right. I've seen him. I knew it was somebody, but I've seen him wearing that scarf. Yeah, and then, and I was looking for like to move to New York City, and it just all worked perfectly. Rob Fiorentino called me up and said, "Rob Bailey's looking for a roommate," and I Crazy. thought, "Oh, very, very cool." And I, and you found the apartment, and I came down, and we were roommates. You know, last week I walked down Thirty Something Street, and the guy who was our landlord, I noticed. He's going out of business. Oh, no. Yeah, it was weird. He was like a rug salesman oh, or something. It's wow. like, clearance sale, come get your rugs. Oh, no, that's funny. Now, here's the funny thing. I think the window guards that you went out and yeah, got are still in those windows. But remember, we never actually screwed them in. We never did. So the exact address break of this, in, the exact yeah, address of this part, uh, apartment will not be revealed tonight. So, Rob, uh, we interviewed Mike Portnoy, of course, yes. of the Winery Dogs. Great drummer. Mm-hmm. And this is going back, I think, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. But mm-hmm. we were on the, the the at the time the the Dream Theater tour bus with Mike. And uh, again, I said this earlier in the podcast. Uh, we were at Berkeley, I guess, a year after Mike was there, mm-hmm. and we were naming names of people. And of course, your name came up, and he immediately knew who you were. And I think even said, "Tell him, tell him hello." Cool. And what what are your memories of Mike Portnoy back circa well, nineteen what eighty seven or uh, no before that eighty six eighty yeah yeah <laughs> no it's like eighty five right okay. 85, 86. And, uh, and you guys I, were students together at Berkeley yeah, College of me Music and, in me Boston. Me and Mike specifically had harmony class together. He took it really far, as you can tell. <laughs> but uh, yep. I, my memories are not only about him, but Petrucci and my young as well. And um, I've, I've so much respect for those guys and so, so much admiration for the, the success they've had. Amazing. And I, I recall... Wow, that was like that was messed up. Um, I recall vividly, um, and you, 
okay, we got to explain a little something about Berkeley. So these these guys met at, met at Berkeley, the three of them. I think John and John knew each other, and then they found Mike. You know, they they got lucky on that one. And uh, so anyway, uh, you could rehearse um, at the school. Right, you had to sign but up for the room. But you had to sign rooms. up for the right. room. Like, let's say if you wanted to rehearse at 8, you had to get up at 6 in the morning and wait in the line to sign up for the room. And my memory is of John Petrucci at the top of the frickin' staircase, first in line to on like er, uh, like every Monday, let's say, every every Wednesday and Friday, waiting for that rehearsal space. You know what I mean? And just sitting there, just shredding on an Area Pro 2, you know? And... um yeah, and then John, the bass player, would get the next slot for 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 ten o'clock or nine o'clock wow. or whatever it was. So he would get the same room that John had just gotten. Right. So these so guys could rehearse all night play. long. Wow! And then Mike would get the last one. I'm sure that John wasn't the only one who got up at six. But yeah. I, does that make sense? Yeah. What now, I'm saying. I hope here's it, the weird the thing. It does. Uh, you listen. They work their asses off. I'm this, telling you. This wasn't the rehearsal rooms like when you go in and all the gear is there no. you had to bring your own gear and your own drums and set everything up like you were playing a gig and that was like crazy but the, like those dedicated guys would like dedicated. like these guys would practice for like 6 hours like you know a day and just to be able to do that you had to do all this pre-planning and like a, you know it was a big deal but i remember they had a little a little lamp that was, this tiny little like bedside lamp that they would put in the middle of the room and like turn off all the lights and they had that was their like you know vibe you right. know and they were called majesty at the time yeah and i remember seeing i remember going to like see them audition singers and keyboard players and like you know like real misfires too like yeah it was just like wow i don't think he's your guy you know right, right, right. <laughs> but, they actually in the dream there's you know, a documentary that dream theater did where they talk a lot about those, those days and and uh berkeley and whatnot and so Rob, back back in those days, um, when I first met you, yeah. I guess would have been the fall of '87. That sounds right. And you were in the room next to me in the in the Mass Ave dorm rooms. Mm -hmm. And I always found you a kind of a, a unique guy because you weren't really the metal dude. There were nope. so many metal dudes. But then yeah. on the the flip side, you weren't the jazz guy no. either. <laughs> So what <laughs> when you were coming up because you've gone on to have a career as a guitar player and that's how you, that's your bread and butter that's yeah. how you make money mm -hmm. who were some of the the guitar players uh, and musical influences in general that were important to you in those days and even maybe prior to that um I think well the guy the guy who made me want to play guitar is you know Mr. Ace Fraley, of course. Very, very cool. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Mr. Joe Perry. Nice. Um, only one of them I've gotten to play with. Um, well, maybe you'll get to play <laughs> exactly. with the other one soon. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a huge Zeppelin fan. So Paige is, you know, I think the cornerstones are like Paige and Townsend, really, at the end of the day, you know, because I'm a, a songwriter as well and, a, and an orchestrator and a parts guy, you know. But, um, Richie Blackmore, that's my guitar hero. Like that's that's to me, like wow, you know, right. he's he's the wizard. I just so he's uh, really he really fires me up. Yeah, but, such an Jeff amazing Beck. player, and and Jeff Beck too. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the Blackmore tip, um, I should loan you this DVD that Carol Kay just sent me, oh, wow. which is um, Blackmore's last tour mm -hmm. playing rock, if you will. You know, now he does the kind of medieval stuff. 
and and it is 1995 he reformed rainbow and went with dodgy white and went out and did a tour and they just released (laughs) (laughs) dodgy Dodgy because we i i was in a band i think it's doogie here's the thing i was in a band at berkeley with a guy named dodgy (laughs) (laughs) dodgy sanchez doogie yeah yeah yeah. but dodgy his stage name was Dodgy Sands, and he's a really cool guy. He's still a guitarist, and I th- last I heard, he was living in Jersey, and he's a good friend living of mine. Living a Dodgy life, yeah, Dodgy. But I like that. Let's let's call him Dodgy White, even though his real no, name is Doogie White. But no, we got to keep that because that's great. I can swear. Yes. Yes, of course. Oh yeah. crap. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, Doogie Dodgy. Doogie, that's a terrible name, but uh, I like Scottish. Dodgy. Better. He's Scottish. Uh, he's Scottish. Doogie Hauser, MD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, anyways, but, metal it, dude. but in, in 1995, <laughs> yeah. it, Blackmore, he's just so on his game, oh, and it's just dude. a shame that that we don't get to hear yeah. him really pick up the guitar and and play like that anymore. Yeah. Um, because uh, what what a great talent, and it's such a weird version of Rainbow in in 1995. It's essentially the Richie Blackmore solo show, you know. And, Fine by me. Uh, what's is what Candice White is that her name? She comes out and does backing vocals with him on one song. But uh, yeah, there you go. Dodgy White, Dodgy White was now was he in? Yeah, no, I know now Doogie. Yeah, but was he in uh, Dodgy White? Was he? He wasn't in Heaven's Edge, was he? No, he played. He played with Ingve for a while though. Yeah, that's what to say. I think he was with Ingve. Yeah, but uh, now where's he from? Rob? He's from like Scotland. I'm pretty oh, okay. sure. So I know. Might I know a... Chuck Berge and I know Greg wow. Smith, the bass oh, okay. player. You know, right. he plays with Nugent now, and oh, those okay. guys all went on tour with him. So they like because I I know those guys because I played on Moving Out oh, for a few okay. years. No, but so you're you're saying so you're saying Dodgy White? No, it's Doogie with, White. Doogie White, White played, played with Rainbow and Ingbe. Oh, yeah. and Ingbe. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, oh, Doogie yeah. White. Okay. Oh, oh no, I, and I've and I've hung out with him, and he's awesome. Yeah, he's a totally good dude. So, anyways, now I'm completely lost. But um, but that was funny as shit. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is a great word. What's You're funny? Dodgy. See, you did you know Dodgy Sands? Yeah. You an Asian guy, right? right. At, at Berkeley, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. So that's why I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah. Dodgy and I had a band called Sweet Sixteen, which I made oh, up the name, Lord. but it was spelled S U I T E sixteen because okay. because here's like a weird thing because there was a group out of Pittsburgh that had a song called Sweet Three Thirteen, and I don't think Paul Gilbert or Richie Conson or any of those guys were in it, but I don't know there was a there was some band and I got to find out who they were and if any of you listeners know this, um, let me know. But they had a song called Sweet Three Thirteen and they were a great band out of Pittsburgh, PA, but they were out at the same time Mr. Big had come out. And wasn't Paul Gilbert from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a PA guy. Yeah, right. Um, cool. So you mentioned earlier, Rob, that you have not played with Ace, but you have played <laughs> with Joe Perry. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about that. that. I mean, that, talk about a once-in-a-lifetime thing i mean richie cotson was just telling me earlier that you know he got to open up for for aerosmith and about how awesome that was uh, richie also opened for the stones in japan which we didn't That's talk about huge. which is pretty cool <laughs> but you got to play with aerosmith yeah. right now how yeah. did this all come about well it came about because um and when when was this? it was uh for the ill-fated 09 tour um 
I'm really super, super tight, good friends with Russ Irwin, who's their touring keyboard player. So what ended up happening was, um, it's funny, I, I, I got a call like a Friday morning after a gig too. I was all bleary eyed. I played in uh, Asbury Park with Pisser. And it was like, it was funny. We had this, this, this uh, rent a car. We were driving home and we were bringing back a guy from one of the uh, other bands and he proceeded to throw up over the, <laughs> over uh, over Eric <laughs> in oh, the driver's no. seat. And Eric so, is Eric, Eric J. Toast. Toast right? yeah. so, so we were in this gas station for like the the entire night cleaning the thing and making sure the kid was okay to drive again. Anyway, so I'm like, we get home at 5 a.m. and it's like, and at 10 a.m. I get like this call from Russ and he's like, um, do you know like every post uh, pre-1990 Aerosmith tune? I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I got it. He's like, he's like, talk to Joe Perry. I'm like, Oh, wow. I just got the fucking call. That's the call right there. Man. And then Joe's like, he's like, look, Brad suffered a head injury, and he's not going to be able to jump on, on board the tour. He's going to be out for like six months. You know, we're already in it. We can't back out. Um, I, I know they talked to like Brian Ray from McCartney's band and uh, Dean DeLeo, like, you know, some, some real heavy hitters, you know, and it was like, and people couldn't do it. And... Um, you know, Russ was like, my friend could do this. He could pull this off, and he loves you guys. So, um, And also, part of the thing was they really wanted someone who could get up there and sing. Wow. So, you know, high, tenor, you know, right. cut some of that. And, um, you know, Joe was, Joe was funny. He was like, he was like, well, what do you look like? And I was like, go to my MySpace page. And he was like, he was like nice hat, you know? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's cool. He's like, you look great, no problem. And he's like, talk to Steven. I'm like. Oh wow, they're in the same car together. That's kind of wow. cool. And then Steven's like, "Dude, your dog is so cool." Uh, <laughs> so they're looking at your pictures and exactly. stuff. Exactly. That's funny. I'm like, he's like, "I got, I got, a, I got a dog. His name's Boo Boo." And it's like, you know, he just starts going off on about his dog. And then I'm like, and then at some point, like, the phone goes back to Joe. who's all serious about it. He's like, he's like, "Okay, come up now." He's like, "Well, maybe." I was like, "Maybe I can have a a day with a pot of coffee to like work on the tunes." He's like, "We got coffee here." I'm like, wow, got it. <laughs> you know, that's so, so yes. So what? So you you go immediately to I, meet them? more or fucking less? Did, it was. I mean, so you're listening to Aerosmith songs on the way up. Well, and, what yeah. what I did, you know, I, I I'm not to get I'm not going to get into it, but it's like it was so intense getting my gear together. All my gear was in um, PA because we just played uh, in uh, Asbury, and all my guitars were with Anthony Esposito in pennsylvania so i'm like Ugh. i had this one crappy les paul that wasn't really firing off for me so i was like kind of a manic thing to just get my stitch my gear together anthony esposito Zinia. guys is the pisser basis of yeah. pisser and also has Lynch done Mob. work with with ace and lynch mob and among probably many others right john who else has he played with yeah <laughs> he's played with um other folks <laughs> i'm drawing a blank we love Anthony, but we just don't know anything else about him right now. <laughs> but anyway, so I, you know, I, the, they sent me a ticket. I got on the train, right? You know, and and between point A and point B, I just listened to, uh, you know, they were doing they were doing the Toys in the Attic album, so it was basically like from start to finish. Start to finish yeah, was like tours, learn yeah. for the, the first rehearsal everything except the hits, and like combination off of rocks, and um, uh, uh, there was something else in there that was like kind of an oddity. Like make it or something like that. It's the first record. Anyway, so I'm like shedding all this stuff, and it's all really complicated. Like I've always thought, oh, I know these songs, but no, I didn't know them. 
And I even, it's funny, I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, I even went on YouTube to like, like, just because I was like stuck on time. I was like, right. how the f do you play adam's apple <laughs> you know what i mean so you, and some guy like YouTube taught me how to lessons, play it. Yes, right, yeah, yeah exactly i was like thank you <laughs> yeah. you know this guy's no idea you know right but right. um anyway so um i and, and so i ended up getting on a train it's like with a couple guitars and all my stuff and this is a train to boston train to boston because yeah. i because the they were it's like, amazing they're still based out of boston it's I mean, great with so many still people based out of boston. yeah it's great it's so many people would have just you know done the la thing exactly and, but you know, you know, one of the cool things about that too is they were like, "Yeah, you'll go up there and you're gonna play with them in their space with small amps." And I right. was like, "Hell yeah, that's that's awesome! Like a bar gig with Aerosmith, you know." So anyway, um, I get up there. Uh, I remember just being on the train heading out, just looking out the window into darkness, you know, and just like tearing up and being like, "I miss my wife." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But anyway, uh, it was it was a beautiful beautiful moment, you know, yes. heading out there and just going right right into the right into the belly of the beast there. But um, yeah, so I I played like as I said, most of the toys thing we did like no more, no more, and round and round like awesome. deep right. cuts, you know. And Stephen left the room at one point, um, and they start and Joe starts playing combination, and I was like. Mm, somebody's not singing that high part. So I sang Steven's part from Combination. Okay. With Joe. And it was just like, I literally like just zoned out and there it was like, I was like eighth grade, you know, just playing a record in my head. And he, and Steven came in, he was like, it's like, damn it, Streisand, that was good. Hitting those high notes. <laughs> you right. know? Cool. And I was like, wow. It's funny. He busted me on so much guitar shit that day. Like literally. When you say he, Steven? Steven, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Steven busted me on so much guitar stuff. No, every, every, all the vocal stuff. He's like, great i was like wow 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 because i'm like i think of myself as a guitar player first singer second i really do and it's just like wow radar ears over there i mean he busted me on details sick you know um but it was amazing like i mean i remember my i think my favorite moment of the whole thing was like at one point i think we were playing um um uncle salty or something obscure like that and i remember just like hearing it and going like Oh my God, that's what it's supposed to sound like, you know, like meaning it, like that's right, that's 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 what heavy rock, hard rock, seventies rock, that's it, you know. Now, Rob, were you guys in a room kind of like this, like a yeah, rehearsal room? Yeah, and it was Tom Hamilton. Yeah, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, Joey Kramer Russ wow. played keys. Yeah. Um, and and Stephen, Stephen was like me to you, just looking wow. right at me and. You know, Joe was off in his corner doing his thing. At one point, he's like, can you turn down a little bit? I'm like, oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe Because I'm usually really, like, deferential to people on Vime because I'm, I'm a singer, too. And he was like, turn down. I'm like, wow, that's, that's not what I expected. Anyway, wow. but um, he was great. He was uh, – both him and – actually, everybody was so great to me. Tom Hamilton is the nicest guy in the freaking world. And both Joe and Steven were so nurturing and, like, really supportive of like they knew i was nervous as hell you know i mean it's like so how long were you up there working with them and what what eventually happened what eventually happened was is um you know they asked me to stay after the first day first day went great you know even my friend russ he was like dude that went as well as that possibly could have sounded great you know i I didn't you know wasn't fanboy it was just you know it was all good you know and uh then we went up to where the uh the bu hockey team plays and they had the whole arena set up there. So then it was like, we, um, 
I actually ended at that point just singing, singing, wow. singing backgrounds. And um, I said I had my gear set up, but um, the other guy, the guy who got the gig, is this dude Bobby Schneck. Okay. And he um, he's Brad. He was Brad's tech. Oh, great okay. guitar player. So obviously. he had a history with them. And he had yeah. a history with them, and he knew the stuff. And it was like, so he he ended up jumping on board with that. And you know, I mean, I I, I sang backgrounds for the for the rest of the week, pretty much. Uh, I know Stephen was fired up about having like an extra singer. Right. Like we did Toys in the Attic, and it was just like three part harmony, like blasting. It was just pro- probably one of the best musical moments of my life to just you know be nailing that stuff with with him and Russ's his keyboard player is just stellar i mean do you know russ Irwin? you know what he definitely sounds familiar and, and yeah, maybe if i saw him i'd know who he was but. Yeah, he just put out he just put out a great record an independent record and uh we did his uh did his his release um at the bitter end and it was just he's he's, he's fantastic check him out russ Irwin. Cool. but um yeah so so that was it I, I was there and then it was funny the guy who sent me home was uh eric barrett who's their manager but he was also Jimi hendrix's brody oh, i was okay. like you're the guy from the movie <laughs> you wow. know but yeah, so it was like, son, I got some bad news for you, mate. You're going home today. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, ah, it's cool. I play with my favorite band. Yeah, that's awesome. Fuck you guys. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and Steven Tyler once a roadie for Jimmy Page, actually. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think Led Zeppelin, although it may have been the Yardbirds. I'm not sure. I think that that was Henry Smith, who you're talking about. And that guy was there. And he was my he was actually in there all the rehearsals and I knew who he was and he was digging it and I was just like this is cool if if this guy's digging it I'm in good shape yeah so, Henry Smith is really cool he wrote Manage Ace oh, yeah, for he a wrote while Ace, yeah. yeah and he was a really nice guy yeah. and you know what was neat is the first time I met him and it's always hard to like this is before I was working with Ace to explain to somebody that I had known Ace and mm-hmm. different things but I must have said the right things to him because he knew. He was like very cool to me when I first met He's him, way and cool. uh, yeah. he was just a great guy. Yeah. And uh, so that that's what what a story, Rob. I mean that is. that is it's something awesome. that beautiful. a hardly. I mean that probably won't ever happen again because you know people don't just get to sit in and play with a band like Aerosmith because no. you know they're not looking for another guitarist. But that was such a rare occasion when one of them was injured and. You know, uh, at, like Brad was injured, and uh, and then you got to go up and do that. So you've gotten to do something with a legendary group that almost no one ever would ever be. Yeah, able I'm to grateful do. for that. Really grateful for that. But you know, the Aerosmith thing it didn't didn't work out. Uh, well, exactly, it, it, yeah, it worked exactly. out on one on one on one in one way, but in another, mm-hmm. you didn't end up uh, going out with them. However, you have, you know, we're going to talk about Pisser, which is a great hard rock and band, but just kind of outside of the hard rock world and, and heavy metal world, you've done a lot of a lot of big stuff. I mean, I've seen YouTube videos of you on mm. stage with, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, Mark Anthony, right? Was that, oh, Enrique uh, Iglesias. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's Let funny about that, that is, uh, you know, I did the, with the Aerosmith thing, was was in Boston, and it was like, you know, going to my bags to the train station and leaving. But the next time I went back, was to kick off the second leg of his big Euphoria tour when he right. had the huge hits a couple years ago. And it was like, first night, Boston Garden. I was like, okay, what's up, Boston? I'm back. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> it was nice. It was really... And you've was, done some great. of the, the, the high-profile Broadway stuff here in New York bit, City, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... That stuff's fun. Back to the Boston thing. How cool was that, going from Berkeley student to Boston Garden? 
great. It's great. Like, that's that the ultimate success. I mean, it's it's my uh, it's my third home. I have three hometowns, and that's one of them. This okay. is one New York City where I grew up, upstate New York, Cornwall, Cornwall New York, yeah. and then Boston. I mean, you know, we all feel that way, probably to some degree, about Boston. Yeah, like we spent four well, we years. Yeah, there, we, we were all there for like, and uh, in a time in our life where oh, big time. You know, it yeah. was a. Uh, you know, you you grow a lot during those years, and oh um, yeah, uh, you know what? I always knew your hometown, not just because I, uh, you know, knew you and uh, mm -hmm. roomed with you, but um, remember that you were like one of the first people I knew to have. And this is you're probably not even gonna believe that I remember this, but remember that Berkeley CD that came out? Oh yeah, and <laughs> and I was like, look at Rob, he's got his name. It's like. This is before like everybody and their friend could make like CDs in oh, their yeah. house, and like this to have like your song like on like an actual, real compact disc with real graphics and your name. And I remember it said Cornwall on Hudson. I think. Oh, that's wild. Your your town was listed on that. Oh, that's neat. But yeah, tell. I mean, I know this is like just a, a small thing, but uh, to me it was a cool thing. Tell tell everybody what I was talking about. About that, yeah. I mean, it was thing. like you know, this is still like late eighties, and it's like right. You know, the compilation get, CD. Yeah, it was of, a compilation students, CD yeah. from students, and uh, I was representing the rock uh, guys on that. It's funny, actually. Tishy's playing drums on that. Brian oh. Tishy, yeah. So the 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 funny thing is, I remember Dom Palouse uh, was involved in that. I remember him. Yeah, and you know, he engineered like Sly Stone's biggest records. I mean, massive records. And I was the biggest Sly Stone fan in college. I had no idea, like, because I just wasn't in the game, you know. I wasn't paying attention. And I, but I remember walking in, like, he was mixing it or something for the thing, and uh, he put my vocal on. He was like, he was like, sounds like there's a frog in here or something like that. I was like, <laughs> oh, whatever. You're not on this CD, dude. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of Sly Stone, um, I think he's going to be at the Chiller Theater Expo. Oh boy. Uh, which Ace is going to be at, and I'll be oh, at. Cool. So if you want to come down uh, at the end of yeah. October, you okay. can meet Ace, and you can meet Slice. That sounds like if fun. he's going to be there, but I'm pretty sure he is going to be there. You can play some harmonica now. Out, out in Jersey? No, these are my new glasses. <laughs> oh, okay. Actually. I was just, I, uh, I, you know, looking I've, good, dude. Yeah, I've, I've, I've hit the age where uh, you guys have both have glasses yeah. since I've, I've been known, wearing them but, since yeah. I was little. Yeah, but uh, I actually, uh, yeah, I need them yeah. now. So I, that's right. I almost wore ones that look like yours, so we would have had a, yeah. Um. So what? What else should we want to talk? Oh, pisser. Yes, oh. please. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on now. You just played a gig last week with the newly mm -hmm. reformed pisser. Yeah. We had all you guys on. I think that was yeah, the that one was, time you were on talking uh, metal oh, no, down at Ultrasound. Yeah, yeah, right. We John and I went down and met up with you guys, and let's talk about pisser the band and who is currently in Pisser because there's been numerous people in and out of that band throughout the year with, of course, the consistent of uh, Eric, Eric J. J. Toast. Toast, right? Who's currently in the band it was, besides oh yeah. so yourself it's Eric on J. guitar? Eric J. Toast, Anthony Esposito on bass, um, Frank Ferrer on uh, drums, and Yeah, I haven't myself. seen him. Frank lives, I think he still lives in my Frank hometown. Lives down the street from you yeah, much, I haven't yeah. seen him in years, yeah. uh, literally, so I, he, I need I to mean, catch up with he's him. He's like, kicking butt i mean it, uh, so i i don't i mean we were all just sort of rapping about getting something together um going in and doing a, a, a proper sort of record you know um right and uh, so there's gonna gigs. be a record a gonna be a record, record uh it's starting up with two, with um 
with gigs. We just played uh, Bowery Electric in New York City on a great bill. It was like Queen V was on it and um, – Oh, you know, I'm uh, spacing on some of the other bands, but it was like a real like New York rock night. And it's funny because it kind of made me feel like, um, oh, you know, this seems like it's kind of coming back a bit, you know, right. like, and um, I ran into uh, you know, like Morgan from uh, Snake Canyon. You know that dude? He used to be in Supervillain and he was like, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're here and you're here and you're here. It's like everybody's like coming out of the woodwork right now. And, right. And it felt like good. F- the scene was healthy. The one know? thing about Pisser is I really think you guys need a better online presence. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yes. it, Eric J. Toast. Yeah, no, he's no. doing the Twitter thing, but it, he doesn't well, seem yeah. to know what's going on with that. I, I was trying to help him out, get some followers. I actually retweeted his uh, Twitter handle on the to the seven thousand talking metal followers on oh, Twitter, cool. and it didn't seem. I don't think anybody followed him though. But because um, because I just think uh, I think there's there's uh, a lot of people that go back and discover stuff mm-hmm. now, like younger kids or people in faraway places who weren't a part of the, you know, nineties New York city scene. And they, they can go back and discover stuff. And I, I think it's important that, that pisser get a Wikipedia page that pisser get yeah, you're a totally Facebook correct, page that there's maybe some tweeting going on or, or, or whatever. It just, Maybe some free downloads of the old shit, you yeah. know, because because kids love that. No one pays for this stuff anymore. No, and it's like, don't. and it's like, uh, so I just feel like there is uh, a lot of great stuff that Eric put out with Honky Toast, that uh, band I used to go see, and mm-hmm. uh, also with Pisser, that is kind of buried out there and not um, not accessible to the listeners who may enjoy that, yeah. that type of music. So that. Not that you're asking well, I, for it, I, but no, that's I my advice. No, I appreciate you saying yeah. it, and I totally agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it was funny. You know, we, we've just really just been sort of, um, you know, get, getting this back up and running sort of um, on the fly, you know. It's really been just sort of, you know, moment by moment. And, like, the gig actually materialized because it was one of Eric's solo gigs, and then he was like, why did everybody play? Come on, right. everybody, let's play. Right. And um, so that's how that kind of happened. And now it's just a matter of, you know, we're just going to hammer away at it. But cool. but I, I think that's a big part of it. For sure. Yeah, and guys, just to review, Pisser is a band featuring our friend Rob Bailey, who's here in the uh, the Gibson Studios with us right now. It's a band that features Anthony Esposito, again, who's played with Ace and uh, Lynch Mob, and it also features Frank Ferrer from Guns N' Roses fame. You know, the thing, I, the thing that I love about the band is it's, like, very... Um, you know, it's cut from like a, a little bit of a ACDC cloth. You know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit Stooges esque in spots too. And it's like, um, it's 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 just kind of a wild band, you know. And I think it's it's uh, loud in the clubs, and it's just you know, it's it's not polite, and it's just I don't know. It just feels really different than everything else you'd hear out there. And I think it, but it's strong. You know, it's a strong band. So I'm 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 psyched to have it back as part of my part of my existence. You know. Absolutely, yeah. and I think Rob, you did the gig with Pisser that was at the club that was on like near the limelight on the second floor. Oh yeah, what was that, that place called great. again? That we was played there, Scott Weiland's club, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Remember where we played with Captain T and Astronomy? Above I can't the think of the name of the place, but it was on the second floor, and I was an idiot and took in like two to three stacks, I think, for us to use. Uh, in that place, Captain T and Astronomy, oh, which was so stupid. 
I actually, <laughs> I actually almost, I fell, I fell down the stairs at that club. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. forgot. The, the club is, God, it's gonna come to us. Uh, but yeah, I remember that gig. We played a gig. Snitch. 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 Good one. Good one. Stitch or snitch? Snitch. Snitch. Yeah. Snitch. Yeah, I remember. We, I I I totally omitted a part of the song when we were playing there. It was oh. dust. I skipped the section, and John just kept playing. It was a big mess, and, and the whole song was messed up. Did you, we have, your just whole, like, did you have your whole thing yeah. going? Yeah, on? yeah. Wow. But he he doesn't miss a beat. He just like if you make a mistake, John just keeps doing the show, which is what you got to do. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just very spinal absolutely tap esque. Oh, Believe it or not, I played Stonehenge on a silver sparkle mini Firebird mandolin. So to bring the uh, Spinal Tap reference all around, and but yeah, that was that's going all in. Yeah, no, seriously, (laughs) I had road, I had silver road cases, I had camouflage netting to 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 um, supplement like Mark's character because Mark, am I allowed to say this? Is Is it is it out in the open now? But Mark, Mark stage name was Captain T, and uh, he was an ex CIA agent or something like that. And um, so basically, I had like a whole declassified army. Yeah, no declassified. <laughs> I had like an army vibe going, and the amps were green on that gig, and and then it was camouflage netting. And then on my side, I had these, uh, you know, like when you see like a dryer vent, and it has like a silver kind of like aluminum foil looking tube coming yep, out of yep, it yep. So i had them coming off my side it was almost like you know in the destroyer stage they had like little space things for ace and like you know the tree over by gene simmons and totally um and uh, that that's what we were trying to do but we did it all out on the second floor of, of a, a bar and that was the most ridiculous but thing. that and place was great yeah it was that a cool rocked. that place had a great vibe and um they were trying to do a reality show or you know trying to get some interest out of there at one point, but uh, they didn't. And I think it was owned by Scott Weiland, yeah. Duff McKagan, yeah. and uh, the guy from Fuel, Brent Scallions. Oh, Brett, yeah. Or Brett Scallions. Is it and, Brett or Brett? Uh, I think it's Brett. Yeah, it's Brett, yeah. right? Yeah, so, and is, <laughs> wasn't he uh, going out? Yeah. Dodgy Scallions. Dodgy Sands. Uh, no, um, Dodgy Scallions. <laughs> Dodgy Scallions. <laughs> I think his Dodgy name Scallions was actually band. Dodgy, but. Those Scallions uh, are Dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, like, that was a fun time. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of Rob. Just uh, going back to just some of the old days. Um, you know what is really funny, um, and I don't. I hope this is not politically Uh-oh. correct. No, but back in the old days, back when I was, we were living on East Ninth Street. I walked out on the street one day, and, and Rob Fiorentino was with me, and there was this three-legged dog walking down the street. And um, and do you remember that dog? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you remember that dog. <laughs> and this guy Which goes. Was? The guy goes. Uh, guy walking it we go oh what happened to that dog and he and totally serious and he never broke um his his act he goes we go what happened to that dog and he goes aids oh my god no 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 this is <laughs> he goes he goes like this he goes aids <laughs> no, i got it he goes you gotta listen it's three words you gotta, you gotta listen he goes he goes like this aids dog aids <laughs> dog aids that's how he said it oh my god in that is that called a cadence he just goes aids dog aids <laughs> uh 
Is there a pisser song recorded that we could actually play on today's episode? I mean, uh, I could send you, you some. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if the uh, yeah. Well, let's do it right now. Why don't you intro one? Mm. Is that cool? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure Eric would be cool. I mean, you, you, you guys played something before. We did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I probably don't. It would, it would be too hard for me to find it. No, no, no yeah. I can send it to you later. All right, well, check out a little bit of pisser. It's a little something called "She's All Right." What you just heard was Pisser. She's All Right is the name of that song. Do some research and find out some info on these guys. Uh, you know, do a Google search and somebody needs to <laughs> Maybe set- they'll have their online presence yeah. together by then. <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to set up a fan website or something. Maybe I'll set it up. Uh, we'll see. But Pisser, great, great New York City band featuring some, some real great guys and players and musicians. So, Rob, in addition to Pisser and all your studio work that you're doing, you are starting a production company. Tell us about that. Um, you know, I've, I've been working with some great people lately um, in the capacity of being a producer. Usually when I produce, I end up playing 
Um, but sometimes no, you know, I'm all, I'm totally open to that. Um, I just did a, uh, a, a record with a, a, a gal named Je- Jesse Galante. Um, and, uh, did, I worked with a uh, Jack Daly on that. Who's uh, the bass player from Lenny Kravitz's band. You know, you've seen him on like the American woman video and, uh, right. fly away and all that. that okay. Yeah. So we, we worked together quite a bit and he's just phenomenal, uh, as a mixer, a producer and a bass player. That you knew him from way back when, like even in the early '90s, you were friends with him. Oh no, not that far back, but oh, we I definitely. But no, no, no. He's um, you know, I I did I did some stuff with him, like going back to like '98. Like he played on some records that I played on and stuff. But um, anyway, so, so that's one thing. Uh, but you know, I I just uh recorded a whole bunch of solo stuff with Frankie and Santi who is the original uh, guitar player from Blondie. He was like on okay. all the big hits. And that stuff turned out really wild. It's like kind of almost like uh, Stones meets Lou Reedish. Ver- and the lyrics are phenomenal. He's actually got a, a tune that's sort of about himself on there and about the band, which uh, I'm really excited to have people hear that. That's, that's kind of like we're mixing right now and finishing that up. Um, working with Michael Devon, the bass player from Whitesnake, okay, who's cool. a phenomenal writer singer. It's kind of got like this real like stomping rock and roll thing going on, like really uh, unique spin. It's um, is he on the last live? He's on the last live record. Yeah, he's that's on, a he's great on, record. Man. He's on the. I um, really like that record. He's yeah. on the the studio version, uh, the studio album before that too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, if you haven't heard of Whitesnake, have a new double disc, double CD live record out and it's just such a great trip down memory lane for any white snake fans and uh they include some newer songs in there too it's it's a really good listen i'm not like a real big fan of post 1980 live records but um this was a good one i i definitely have it in my car i've been listening to it quite a bit so mike plays bass on that. yeah and he sings his ass off too i mean he's like he's like in that paul rogers david coverdale tradition like big Big baritone kind of like Excellent. you know fat sound. Uh, working, I'm working on a, a project uh, called the P- the perfume with my with my lady, my wife, the uh, artist formerly known as Aaron Evermore, and that's really been been great. Cool. Minimal fights. Oh, cool. cool. <laughs> and who great was the songs. girl you were playing with? You were on like was it Regis and Kathy Lee oh, one yeah, day? Yeah, I no, turned no, that on was the Delta Goodrum. She's like yeah. kind of like the Christina Aguilera of. Uh, what Australia? Right. Okay. Yeah, and like I did the Letterman and the View and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or she's, with a View, I guess yeah, that's what I yeah. saw. Yeah. So on. she's yeah. like, uh, yeah, she's she's like down there for a while, you know, like like doing that whole thing. Uh, I, she's, I, I think that's really turned into a good thing for her. Cool. The, I mean, uh, did I see the voice is what she's doing down there. Oh, oh yeah, I like, didn't know so that. She's okay. sort of like okay. the uh, the Australian version of. That is, is right. Oh, okay, her, cool. So. And the thing you're she's doing great, with your wife great. is a, a rock a, thing, or a, it's a rock thing. It's um, you know, a little bit, a little bit pushing an alternative thing. You know, okay, um, maybe almost like, I don't know. I mean, um, uh, maybe almost a little white stripes ish in spots, but very oh, cool. tuneful, very you know, right. Not like the drums and guitar thing, like not that kind of setup, but like kind of grimy like that. And excellent. She's a great singer, so it'll be it'll be cool to have that really pop. Cool. We'll keep us posted on Absolutely. that. We could, you know, we do this other podcast now called Talking Rock, which oh, yeah. is kind of for stuff that isn't really hard rock or or heavy metal. So I'm raising my hand, brother. Yeah, when you when you're ready, you can get you can come back uh, yeah. with your wife if you'd like, and Sounds we can good. we can do a interview for Talking Rock, right, John? 
No doubt about it, Rob. Right you, you are welcome to come on any Talking Metal episode you want to come on. I will I will take that into consideration, yeah, Shannon. I, you know what? I want to also make your one of your dreams come true too. And I, you know, I think someday it could happen. That you should do a jam someday with Ace or something. I would think love, that would be very love. cool. But so. well, since you show me the right way to play, play cold gin, uh, okay, Paul really, Stanley I, style, I, maybe wow, that's cool. the one. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I love that. See, most people don't know that Paul was playing like a part that you wouldn't ever normally pick out. Nope. But uh, I wouldn't have picked that out. You know, I picked it out just because I, I put the balance all the way over to the other oh, side and was able yeah. to hear like the, the way that particular song was mixed on some of the early records but it sounds so cool i i've never played that with like another musician maybe we can jam that too i would love that. That, that i would love it, that. it just i love the combination of paul's part mixed with ace's part of that well that, that's 70s hard rock in a nutshell for you i mean like with the two guitar bands like i mean those are my favorite too uh i think most people's favorite too actually but like you know you've got like Part number one and part number two. It's like, it usually they're very different and uh, or slightly different, and it just makes a cool rub in the sound, you know. But the Cold Gin's a great example of that. Perfect song. Yeah. Let's go out with a little more Winery Dogs. This is a song that opens their album, which is the self-titled album the winery dogs one of the really my favorite records of 2013 i sincerely mean that and this is called elevate guys support talking metal go make a paypal donation use those amazon links you guys know the drill we need your support this is elevate
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.